Torn from the fiery pages of the mightiest annals of the West comes the supreme saga in the great tradition of frontier drama. Schwarzes. Jim, but most people call me Jim. Well, do your best. Now, let's see. Where were we? Oh, Rock Ridge. Rock Ridge. I want that land. Clumsy fool. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. There might be a legal precedent. Of course. Land snatching. Let's see. Land, la land, sea snatch. Ah. Hello, handsome. Is that a ten-gallon hat? So just sign this, yes. sir, right here. Oh, okay, give us a hand here. All right, sir. Work, 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 work. Okay, folks, let's the heroic sheriff rallies his citizens in the wildest finish the West has ever seen or the movies have ever shown. Ow! Oh! Ow! Oh! Have you ever seen such cruelty? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Film and Water Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I am your host, Rob Kelly, and joining me this week to talk about Mel, uh, I was about to say Mel Gibson's, no, Mel Brooks's uh, uh, first classic of 1974, Blazing Saddles, is my pal, Chris Franklin. Chris, how are you doing? Chris, only pawn in Game of Life. <laughs> I think we all feel that way at times. Um, yeah, like I said, we're here to talk about Blazing Saddles, one of the all-time great comedies, one of the, you know, it's an undisputed classic. Um, I asked Chris for a bunch of movies uh, that he would like to talk about, and this was one of the ones on the list. So, Chris, like, what's your history with Blazing Saddles? Why do you love it so much, other than the fact it is one of the funniest movies of all time? Well, that's, that's the number one reason, but uh, actually, I think probably because my dad introduced it to me. Mm. I was probably way too young to watch it, but it was the TV edit. You know, it was a oh TV edit. Oh, my God. Edit. Yeah, how but how did was... you even make a TV edit of this movie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's only 20 minutes long. Uh, <laughs> it's all the Mongo why... scenes, and that's it. Yeah. Might explain why it was on so often. But, yeah, my dad was a big Western fan, and um, – so, you know, he would try to get me to watch Westerns, and it took me a while to kind of warm up to him if it wasn't The Lone Ranger, but since Blazing Saddles was funny, I'd watch that, you know, right, so right. that was that was kind of, that was my first Western movie that I really loved was Blazing Saddles, and of course, it's a comedy, obviously, but, and I knew that even then, that all Westerns weren't like this, but uh, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I was disappointed that they weren't like that, but... Uh, at some point, you know, I saw the unedited version, and I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's a completely different movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like, whoa. Yeah, it's, 
the different cuts of Blade Runner, you know, or yeah, something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen Blazing Saddles, the plot, such as it is, is basically, I'm going to read it right off of IMDb, is to ruin a Western town, a corrupt political boss appoints a black sheriff who promptly becomes his most formidable adversary. I mean, yeah, that's basically the plot. I mean, obviously, the whole gist of this is is the racial tension inherent in the Old West. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's the minute the 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 black sheriff who is played by Cleveland Little uh, Bart, you know, basically he comes in to be the authority figure of this all white town. People go crazy because they can't deal with the fact that a black guy is in charge. Things haven't changed too much uh, in the, <laughs> 100 years later, as we've seen. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that is basically the, the plot of it. It features you know, an amazing cast. It's a, oh, as yeah. I mentioned, Cleveland Little, Gene Wilder, Slim Pickens, Harvey Corbin, Madeline Kahn, Mel Brooks is in this, Alex Karras, as the aforementioned Mongo, David Heddleston, and a bunch of other kind of like genuine comedy slash Western actors. Um, it, it is, you know, I've been, I've seen this film mentioned and listed as like a film that has something to offend everyone. <laughs> and I don't even know if that's really true. I feel like it offends kind of dumb people because it's like if you get the joke, it's not offensive. I mean, right. yes, this movie does drop the N-word I think two minutes into it, into yeah. the film, which is faster than even Quentin Tarantino was able to get that word into his movies. <laughs> but it's 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 clearly – the joke is clearly on the people using the word. It's not meant – so I mean it, it's it's – yes, it's offensive on a surface level, but – Anyone who really understands why it's funny is not offended, which makes me think you couldn't make this today because no. people would be so sensitive and so shocked that it would just be – you just – you know, Mel Brooks would just be thrown out of town. You would never get it made. Forget about even you know, being offensive after it was produced. You would just never get it made. Right, yeah. And I mean you – know, but the thing is, is that Bart is the smartest person in the movie, him and Jim, <laughs> Gene Wilder, the Waco kid. There's, everybody else is an idiot, you know? And, <laughs> And Bart is essentially Bugs Bunny. I mean, he's... That's... You know, I never thought of it that way, but that's really true, yeah. Because he's the character that, you know, he kind of falls into this situation, and he turns the tables on people trying to exploit him and and take advantage of him, and, you know, he ends up being the hero of of the picture, despite all the goofiness. I mean, it, it does have a, a a good, positive message. I mean, you know, despite all the N-words thrown around and everything... Everybody else is just—it's laid waste by how this guy outsmarts them. You know, <laughs> so that's, that's so, what I love about it. <laughs> that's so funny that you say about Bugs Bunny because the whole bit where he shows up in town and then he gets out of the jam by pulling a gun on himself—that yeah. uh, is a Bugs Bunny routine. That really yeah. is. I just—I never thought of it that way, but that's absolutely true. That's one of my favorite lines in the movie, and he's like. Baby, you are so talented, and they are so dumb. <laughs> I still la- – I mean, they're still – I saw this movie when I was an early teen, and I laughed uproariously at it. I like to think that I got it. Even at that age, I like to compliment myself that I did. But, I mean, I still laugh at stuff today. I was listening to it at work, just the audio. Mm-hmm. And when he when, – when Bart shows up, at t- shows up in town, and he climbs onto, like, the rostrum in front of yeah. everybody, and he – he says, "Excuse me, while I whip this out," and the whole crowd. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> and then he then yeah. he pulls out a piece of paper. They're like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> There's so many of those jokes in there. You know, it's like when 
Lily Von Strupp, it's true, it's true, you know, oh, things. Oh, God, Madeline <laughs> Kahn. Madeline Kahn was just so funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, it. you know, it's funny. You mentioned again Madeline Kahn. Like, she's clearly parodying Marlena Dietrich. Uh, mm-hmm. Marlena Dietrich and I didn't get that at that age you know when I saw the no, movie, I, I was 13 either. or 14 I had no idea who Marlena Dietrich was I didn't know that it was parodying anything in particular uh, but it but it is I mean it's it's very much of a piece with Young Frankenstein which uh, as I sort of alluded to was also released in 1974 which is that's a hell of a year to produce yeah. to produce two of the funniest movies ever made within 12 months of each other is un- that is just firing on all thrusters. But I mean, both Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein work as genre entries on t- separate from the comedy. I mean, yeah. Young Frankenstein's story works perfectly fine as a Frankenstein movie, and Blazing yeah. Saddles works perfectly as a western on below all the crazy jokes on top of it. Well, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that that I think it works so well is that it has that epic scope of a of a western of the of the late fifties and sixties, that type of just, you know, cinemascope and and the the theme songs by the guy that sung Rawhide. Right, Frankie and Lane, right? Frankie, Frankie Lane. Lane and apparently they did not even tell him it was a parody. He right. sang it <laughs> right. just full full out just like he would the theme to Rawhide. Right. And and so it has this, I mean, the setting, the cinematography it feels like you know they. There's a joke about Randolph Scott, you know, where they all Randolph Scott. You know, <laughs> they're uh, holding him in uh, such reverence. <laughs> yeah, and every time Randolph Scott comes up on TCM, me and Cindy have to go Randolph Scott. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we trade lines back and forth in this movie constantly. But but yeah, I mean, it it it, it does it. I think that's one reason why it works so well, and I think that's why. I'm, maybe and I like Mel Brooks' other films, but I think one reason why he peaked. Uh, here is because the the young Frankenstein and this, other than all the silliness going on, feel like like you said, like that genre film later on, like Men in Tights and things like that. It doesn't quite feel like it. It looks like a comedy skit. You know what I mean? Yeah, Does that no, make I sense? Agree, no, I agree with that entirely. Yeah, I mean the like Dracula Dead and Loving It. Because it's got Leslie Nielsen in it, it looks like a Naked Gun movie. It doesn't look like a real Dracula. I mean, first the color, you know, that's in color. I mean, he he's clearly kind of not making the effort, or maybe I should just be more charitable. He probably didn't have the financial heft to right. to make it look. I mean, imagine trying to sell a comedy in black and white. The last person to do it was basically on a on a large studio scale, like Ed Wood. Which, right. was, which was 20 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, Mel Brooks had a lot more clout in the early 70s because he was coming off the producers and he was coming off of this, which was a big success. So, yeah, I agree that his later films are more clearly comedies as opposed to these two. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, the whole, the just, I mean, <laughs> the, just the things that this movie, I was reading on IMDb, and of course I know this movie, you know, back and forth, but, you know, apparently this was the first film that ever had a farting scene in it. <laughs> What a, like, what a contribution to cinema history! I'm, I think he's going to get a you know an AFI a, a achievement award for that or something. I don't know. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that too because it's like I really do not like like humor like that. I don't like movies with that kind of humor that just turns me off. But if you're going to do that joke, that's the joke to do. Yeah, I mean, Mel Brooks yeah. did it. Like it's almost like there is no point in ever doing that kind of humor in any movie ever again. 
because Mel right. Brooks just did it. He just he did the best version of it. So everybody just stopped. <laughs> right, right. I mean, he, you know, he, he. I mean, it, it seems to go on for like twenty minutes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, <laughs> so it, I, I think I think we're good. We're good after that. You know, I, I mean, the cast in this thing though, just uh, you know, I think this was probably the first time I remember seeing Gene Wilder. This was before I saw him. This tells you how twisted this is i think i saw him in this before i saw him in willy wonka so <laughs> I, I, you know what that might be i i might be right there with you i think that might be true with me as well yeah <laughs> so i mean the uh the you know the just the fact that that i saw that out of, I, I, of course some people are traumatized by willy wonka so i guess uh <laughs> i guess <laughs> i guess that's uh part of it too but you know the 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 camaraderie between those two, between Cleavon Little and Gene Wilder, kind of, I mean, they just really gelled really well. You could just, you could kind of see them, the characters. It's us against them, you know, and and that comes across on the screen. I, you know, I, I, I would never want to see a sequel to this because it, they could have never done it. But you just kind of like to think that they had other adventures, even though it it had that weird fourth wall breaking right right <laughs> ending <laughs> with even with jim sitting there with a you know bucket of popcorn back in, yeah. the, <laughs> in the western town so it's amazing probably. you're right about the chemistry and it's it's amazing when you think that gene wilder was cast with literally no time to spare because originally the waco kid was played by gig young yeah and they shot a couple days with gig young and gig young was a notorious alcoholic and he was drunk on the set and he collapsed and they had to shut the movie down and they they got according to IMDb got Gene Wilder and flew across the country that day to take over the role and, mm-hmm. and that's amazing they, because you're right him and Cleveland Little have an amazing chemistry and Cleveland Little was is genuinely like a movie star I mean he was a very handsome guy effortlessly mm-hmm. charming uh he was the role was originally supposed to be richard pryor who of course co-wrote the the screenplay with mel brooks yeah but the studio was like no he's too untested he's too kind of edgy we got to get somebody a little safer and cleavon little definitely had that energy and i think there's something to the fact that cleavon little other than the fact that he's a black guy looks like a hollywood leading man from a western i mean he's just a classically good-looking dude that it mm-hmm. fits it fits better i would i as much as richard pryor was a genius i can't picture richard pryor playing this role the way cleavon little did i i, I think you're right i think i think because he does have those chiseled features like you said he sells the hero aspect of it mm-hmm. where pryor wouldn't you know, with Richard Pryor, you'd just be thinking, oh, this poor hapless guy. Right, right, You know, right. he's he's making his way. He's doing the best he can. But with Cleavon Little, just from the beginning with the scene with the, the hand car on the tr- tracks, you know, mm-hmm. you you know he's in control of, you know. And when when when, uh, when Headley Lamar brings him, not Hedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's Headley. <laughs> That's Headley brings him into the governor's office. And, you know, he's, he's sitting there. He just he sits down at the governor's desk and. Just start smoking a cigar. And he puts his, his boots up on the on. table. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I mean, he's in control. You know, he, he's like these guys ain't got nothing on me. That's like as, again, that's what the I was like flip watching just parts of it today, and I'm like, he's Bugs Bunny. That's just yep. it's, it's just of course it's the, the candy gram for Mongo part. That is Bugs Bunny. <laughs> that you know? is Bugs. Yeah. Oh, you, God, I'm surprised he doesn't dress up as a woman at some point in this movie. When you think about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the other things I do love about this movie, and we we refer to it early on, is just the like the un- <laughs> the unrepentant racism in this movie. Like every character except for Cleavon Little and Gina Weller is just a racist, and yeah. they never give it up. I mean, at the near the end of the movie, where they finally get the town. And all of Cleavon Little's uh, – uh, they're not slaves, but – well, I guess they are. They're all his slave friends, and they're going to get together to help defeat uh, Hedley Lamar. And, you know, Cleavon Little said – Bart says, you know, all they want for their help – to help you is just a little piece of land for them to farm. And the mayor, David Halston, says – you know that okay, that's fine. We'll take the blacks. We'll take the Chinese, but we won't take the Irish. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's always got to get another shot in at some group. And then that was that was. I mean, I'm, I'm surprise, surprise. I'm Irish. When I was a kid, I didn't know that that was a thing. That, yeah, like Irish people were. And then you know that was like my introduction to. Oh yeah, there was a whole Irish need not apply thing. That was a complete shock to me. The joke. I thought the joke was funny just on its own, but I never knew it had any sort of historical context. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, there's so many different things. I mean, like when when they show the flashback and Mel Brooks is the the Indian chief and mm-hmm. and he's speaking Yiddish, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, they're darker than us, you know. <laughs> it's just I'm like, oh my god. But it's you know, it's kind of it's kind of that. I guess it's kind of the same kind of humor as I know. Like you said, it, it, it they're they're picking on everybody, so it's okay, but. And I and I can see where it's maybe not that. That's the way people kind of look at it nowadays. But I mean, there, there really was there were no sacred cows in this yeah. film. Obviously, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, one of my favorite parts is is when the 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 lineup of 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 villains are you know signing up with Hedley Lamar and and uh, you've got the two <laughs> Ku Klux Klan guys at the end of the line and and you know Gene Wilder pulls Cleveland Little from behind the box. Hey boys, look what I got here. <laughs> Where are the white women at? You know, <laughs> Cleveland Little gives that line just such the perfect spin too. Yeah, I, I laugh at that every time I hear it. And then they beat him up, and when he comes out, they got the hoods on. He's like, "Man, I like that." <laughs> it's just, I just I, every time I just get cracked up. I mean, it's just I, this is the movie that if I'm in a bad mood, I pop this in, and you know. I, I'm instantly in a good mood, you know. It's it does just... have a very joyful tone to it. Part of it is you mentioned the cinematography. It's a beautiful film to look at. I mean, the colors are gorgeous. It looks like the westerns it was sort of aping, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like one of those widescreen. But it is just a really beautiful. But yeah, it is. Cleavon Little's performance is so joyful. He is, as you as you mentioned, just so in control of every scene. He's never under he's never under any real duress except in the very beginning. That yeah, it is pleasurable to watch him and i also again you you mentioned the the um camaraderie between cleveland little and gene hackman but like the way that they're both kind of in on the joke of the whole movie i mean with like gene hackman and uh, gene hackman gene wilder is is <laughs> that'd, be that'd, be, man, that'd be a real different movie gene wilder <laughs> is is trying to like you know mollify bart a little because he gets he walks around the town and everybody calls him the n-word or whatever and he goes you know, you have to you have to remember these are these are simple folk, folk of the land. You know, morons. <laughs> like it's such a yeah. shot at people, and it's yeah. just, it's those those two are such smart asses uh, that it's it really is very amusing to watch them sort of like again have one up on every other character in the movie. I mean, just from get go when he's like, you know, Jim pulls that bottle and just like turns it up and he says. A man who doesn't eat and drinks like that, he is going to die. And, and his only response is, 
when? You know, it's just, it's just, I mean, that shouldn't be funny, but it's we're laughing at alcoholism, you know. But it's Gene Wilder plays a great wreck. He always he he plays somebody just right on the brink of of being out of control. Again, he did the same thing in Young Frankenstein of somebody that could get angry from. Super, you know, he's telling that wonderful story about why he retired as a gunfighter, you know, and he's like, I heard a kid, I heard somebody say draw, and I turned around, and I was facing, what is it, like a nine-year-old kid, Yeah. and then he paused, and he's like, little bastard shot me in the ass, or whatever, he gets so mad at the little kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I miss Gene Wilder. I really, I mean, Gene, well, I've been hearing rumors that Steven, I'm getting off topic, but that Steven Spielberg has been try, has been trying to get Gene Wilder out of retirement to be in Ready Player One, which is the new movie he's working on, I hope I hope that that's true because I, I miss Gene Wilder so much. He was just so funny for so long. Yeah, we we, we need a good Gene Wilder, you know. It's yeah, like... <laughs> oh, he was just so fantastic. Um, yeah. There are a bunch of uh, deleted scenes from this movie. Apparently, there's a there's a Mel Brooks is you know one of the great raconteurs about telling stories about you know. All the different things, and and he was on a, an interview show many years ago, and he talked about that uh, all these scenes where he did a he did a, a screening for the movie for the Warner Brothers executives, and it had a scene where you know after Lily von Stubbs, <laughs> just saying the name, seduces yeah. seduces Bart, and the lights go out, and you know she says, "Is it true that you people are gifted?" And you hear the zipper, and she says, "Oh, it's two, it's two. There's an extra line where you hear him say, "You're sucking my arm." <laughs> and apparently Warner Brothers just said that's coming out that's coming out and Mel Brooks just sat there with a little pad going alright that's out and they said you know the fart scene that's out he's like okay that's out that's out that, and he pretended to just write it all down and then he eventually just took none of it out except for that one line but he just took none of, he just he, he pretended to listen to their instructions and then just basically put out the movie he wanted to make anyway which yeah, I, I love those stories I love the idea of just somebody just basically thumbing his nose at the studio well, you know, it really, I mean, we're, we're like carefully deconstructing that, that sequence in that line. But really, if they added that in, it would have actually undercut the character of Bart. And by by taking that line out, it's actually dirtier. Really, yeah, you know, yeah. You know what they've done, especially the next morning when they're eating Schnitzengruben. <laughs> 15 by lemon on Schnitzengruben, baby. You know, so. <laughs> You do I love it when he walks on, back into the jail and he's all like friends. just worn out and he's like, what's happening in the clean world? <laughs> <laughs> Another thing too, like one of the most transgressive jokes in this is when Gene Wilder wakes up and he's upside down and he's like, you know, are we, are, he's like, are we awake? I don't know. Are we black? Yes, we are. Then we're awake. <laughs> and then he says, so what do you want to do? And he goes, I don't know. Play chess. Screw <laughs> and Cleveland Little's like, let's play chess. And you're like, what is that joke? Like, what? Yeah. The, you know, the, I don't know if you could get away with that joke now. That kind right. of just casual, sort of pansexual nature of Gene Wilder's character. He's just like, oh, okay, let's just play chess then. It's yeah. And I, I love that Gene Wilder's character for all of the fact that he's a mess. Still has that superpower of being the greatest gunman. The scenes, the, the one where he grabs the the chess piece from mm-hmm. Cleveland Little's hands before he can slap it together is amazing. And then the scene where he shoots the, the guns out of the hands of all the the cowboys is yeah, fantastic. Like it's such a hero moment. It's it's yeah. it's it really works as completely forgetting that it's a comedy. And all the guys like give him high five, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just <laughs> it's just awesome too. <laughs> yeah, I mean 
the just just the 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 stuff that they have the characters the 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 way they work out that the I mean I keep saying the same thing over and over but those two characters just nothing I mean the the whole plan of of painting the town you know re- recreating the town and and you know overnight I mean yeah that's one of those crazy you know western I mean it's so insane but I mean yeah. you know it, and then my favorite part when they you know put the the toll booth up and yeah. somebody's gonna have to go back and get a shitload of dimes. <laughs> It is. It is funny that it, it that it like Young Frankenstein is to me is much more. I keep comparing it, but I can't help it. Uh, it's much more restrained in terms of yes. how far out it goes. This movie ventures into airplane sort of territory, like that scene you just mentioned with the toll booth yeah. in the middle of the desert. And it's like you mentioned the scene about with all the bad guys lined up and there's Nazis, yeah. uh, you know. And then like you know Slim Pickens, who was so friggin' funny in this movie. I mean, I between this and Doctor Strangelove, I'm like, my God, this guy's yeah. a riot. But I mean, when when he when he discovers the cowboy got hit in the back of the head with the with the shovel because Bart hit him, and he goes, "What in the wide world of sports is going on around here?" And it's like all these kinds of little throwaway gags, and it's just I love the fact that it it all hangs together perfectly well, and that's 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 an amazing tribute to Mel Brooks's skill as a filmmaker. I mean, even when they break the the fourth wall and they come in on the the set of Dom DeLuise's musical, and he's like, "Piss on you! I'm working for Mel Brooks," and yeah. punches him right in the stomach. Coming, it's just he's it's like he's still in character. It's like it's like this weird meta. You talk about meta. This was oh man, yeah, meta movie. <laughs> and, I mean, it breaks the fourth wall and spills into the studio of the people making it, and then it ends with one of the characters seeing it, buying a ticket to the movie that he's in. Yeah, which just makes your head hurt when you think about it. I mean, it's just Grant like Morrison can't even figure this out. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. And and I was reading uh, again on IMDb that you know I had read before that the title of the movie was originally going to be, or at one point, going to be Black Bart, called Black Bart, not Blazing Saddles. And you can kind of tell on the Chinese theater the Blazing Saddles name is animated. Well, they animated it over top of where it says. Black Bart. Oh, right, <laughs> so, right. That's right. <laughs> so I thought that was a little nice little fun fact to know. But, yeah, the whole the whole deal with I, – I loved Harvey Corman anyway. We used to watch the Carol Burnett show as a kid all the time. And, and my parents would watch it just to see if Tim Conway could crack Harvey Corman up. Right. Uh, which he usually did. Yes. But yes. just, I mean, he was he, – you know. And I love this thing about, you know, and I am risking a, a nomination for Best Supporting Actors. <laughs> He's up there giving his speech. I love the idea that the real Hedy Lamar, the actual actress, sued Mel Brooks for defamation of character for this movie, which did not go anywhere. But, like, she seems like a nice lady. She was certainly very smart. She invented, like, that radar process and stuff. So she was a really bright lady. But, like... Kind of thin-skinned, I guess. I mean, you can't possibly watch this movie and think that it's making fun of her. It's just having a laugh at the name, that's all. It's like it's not right. actually saying anything about her. It probably did more for her. She's probably just as famous for, for Blazing Saddles as she is for anything, any movie she did at this point. Well, maybe that's uh, why she sued. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, you know, it, 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 you mentioned Black Bart. Uh, I have to throw this piece of trivia in because when I'm, when else, whenever am I going to get to talk about this? Did you know that they tried to do a Blazing Saddles TV series? No. They did. They made a pilot. Uh, it was called Black Bart. And it, it okay. was in 1975. Lou Gossett Jr. played Bart. 
Whoa. And there were no other same characters. Steve Landisberg from Barney Miller was in it playing another guy called Reb Jordan. I'm going to assume he's sort of the Gene Wilder character. But, uh, yeah, I can't – it only aired one time. It was just a one – They just. I, I think they made it as a pilot. It didn't sell as a series. So they just aired the pilot and burned it off. I would love to see it. I, I don't know if they've ever put it on like a DVD with a Blazing Saddles DVD. But that would be amazing to see because this movie is so transgressive – Every which way. I can't picture how you made it a TV series out of it. I mean, even in the church when they're going over all the things that the that that Tagger and his men did, they they mentioned that they raped the cattle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. When the, the bad guy gets in line and he's like, So what have you done? He's like, What do you what do you what do you what do you want it for? He's like, Rape, fire, robbery, rape. He said rape twice. I like rape. You're like, oh geez. You know, you're like, yeah. oh, <laughs> Yeah, and when when they when they're up there and when 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 the Bart and Jim are in disguise as the Klansmen, they're like, well, "Well, what are your qualifications?" He's like, "Stampeding cattle." It's like, "Well, that's not a very serious crime through the Vatican." You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, um, yeah, we're just gonna go on and on with quoting these lines in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it it does it holds up incredibly well. It is a very cheerful movie. You just can't help but but feel good when you watch this movie it's just it's so funny from beginning and mel brooks and andrew bergman and richard pryor and norman steinberg which are the, who are the credited writers they just jammed in every conceivable joke i mean for this movie is 93 minutes and it's got probably you know four, five times that amount of jokes i mean and most of the most of them land which is unbelievable so yeah, it's, I mean, it's just there's not a dud in the bunch i don't think i mean really i mean you know it's just you know, the things with, I mean, even the just simple things with Mongo, you know, like Mongo punches out a horse and things. Like that. It just, you know, it's like, and his, and his, uh, uh, you know, walking, riding into town on the ox and said yes and no on both cheeks, you know. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> yeah. And that it was is, Webster's dad, you know. That's Alex, right. Alex that's right. Well, yeah. Former football player, Alex Karras. Yeah. It's, it's it, everybody said everybody here is cash really well. He said, Mel Brooks had such a great collection of, of people. I'm, I'm, I don't know what the shocked isn't the word, but it's. I'm sorry that he never worked with Cleveland Little again because he Cleveland Little clearly fit in quite well uh, mm-hmm. with the with the Mel Brooks aesthetic. Uh, and uh, but he never, for whatever reason, never really used him again. But these, you know, I, I always like to think of myself as a big Mel Brooks fan. And then I go back and I look at his filmography and I, I actually realize I'm just a fan of these two movies, Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles, because I, I actually don't think the producers is that funny. I know I'm in totally in the minority with that, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't find all that funny. And the later ones, I don't find that funny, but these two are the ones that just kill me. And they just I never get tired of them. And Young Frankenstein is another one that we'll have to discuss on the show at some time because that's, that's a whole other masterpiece uh, oh, yeah. of its own. But yeah, Blazing Saddles, it is just a really fun movie. It puts you in a good mood and it's just, and despite the fact that it has a lot to say, which is, yeah. which is, a, that's, that's hard to do. Well, you know, and I mean, the way it ends, it, I mean, if you, if you look at it the way when Bart, when Bart becomes sheriff, he rides in, he's got his Gucci bags, he's got his, <laughs> his saddlebags, he's got his, uh, he's got his buckskin outfit on and he's got Count Basie playing theme That's music right. for him as yeah. who's, who's in the movie and, right. and then when they ride out they you know they're riding off in the sunset and then they get off the horses and they get in a limo and ride right. off in the sunset <laughs> so so i mean that i mean uh, that i mean thinking about it like I, I never really you know really put a lot of thought into blazing saddles but thinking about it 
for this show. I mean, it just it's like you know, Bart again totally controlled, but he does everything. He's like Sinatra; he did it his way, you know. <laughs> he's he, and I think that's one reason why it it, it resonates too. Not just the score and the cinematography, but it does. Despite all the craziness and the, especially the ending with the with the fourth wall breaking, it is a heroic tale. I mean, it's you know the hero saves the day and he literally rides off into the sunset, yeah. and it's just really satisfying that way. And you laughed your ass off while you watched it. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing that this film does throw, and this is just all my own personal interest, I am like just a giant nerd for. Pictures of old movie lots, like old yeah. movie studio stuff, and like I, that like I, I, if I believe in reincarnation, and I don't know if I do, but if I do, I'm sure that I worked in on some movie lot in the 40s and 50s because <laughs> any picture of like what. Uh, some movie studio looked like, like the halls, the offices, the bungalows. I just find that stuff endlessly fascinating, and you get to see a large chunk of the Warner Brothers back lot. In this movie, yeah. in 1974, and I love that. That's you, you know, that's all gone now. I mean, even if the buildings are all still there, it doesn't look the same. And just, I love the idea that you get to see the commissary. Like that would have been so fun to hang out while they're making a movie, just to be off on the side watching Mel Brooks, you know, have a pie fight in the middle of the Warner Brothers commissary. Like that just gives me such a nerd movie nerd thrill just to see that stuff. I love it in the commissary when they first enter. You got the guy dressed as Hitler, and it's like, "How many days you got? How many days you got, Joey? Oh, they lose me after the bunker scene." Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that yag. Oh God, yes, what I mean. What else do you need Hitler for after the bunker scene? Of course. So yeah, that was yeah. that was something else too. I, I guess I'm just bringing these. You're bringing these things up at me, but like one of Mel Brooks's I, again in all the thousands of interviews he's given but he mentioned this once that he felt that cuz he served in World War II and mm-hmm. he felt that uh he said that one of his missions as a Jew in life is to constantly ridicule Hitler like that yeah. is one of his jobs and that has to be part of the reason that Hitler is in the producers, so much a big part of the producers is around Hitler, making Hitler look yeah. like a complete jackass. Springtime for Hitler. Springtime yeah. for Hitler. But then th- that scene you just mentioned, that's just that's a, that's a little poke as well. And I feel like that's just Mel Brooks is just constantly, if I can find Hitler, if I can find a way to put Hitler into my movie and make fun of him, I'm going to do it. Well, History of the World, at the end, when they were talking about part two, there you go. Came, Hitler on Ice. Hitler you on know? Ice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good on you, Mel Brooks. Good on you. Yeah. Man. Stick it to him. Stick it to him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we could go on and on and on. Do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap up on Blazing Saddles, Chris? Well, I just because I want I just want to share what what you shared with me because I didn't have, no, have any idea that Blazing Saddles is playing in theaters coming up. So that's right. Yeah, the Cinemark chain, which uh, is all over the country, they do their cin- their cinema classic series. I've been going to these. For the past couple of years, I love it. I, I'm just such a huge fan of, of showing old movies, and, and most of the stuff they show is terrific. This uh, this Sunday, which is uh, upcoming, is going to be the what the January 31st, they are mm-hmm. showing Blazing Saddles. And then they're going to show it the following Wednesday, which would be February 3rd. So, yeah, if you love Blazing Saddles, or if you, ha- well, if you haven't seen it, God's sakes, go see it. But even if you <laughs> have seen it, go see it in the theater. Because to me, you're it's it's you're you're helping support you know repertoire films, but especially 
this will be, I've never seen this on the big screen. I cannot wait to see it on a big movie screen. It'll be a blast. It'll look gorgeous. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got to go now that I know. I was like, I've got to go. I'm going to try to drag my dad to it. I can't hardly ever. The last movie I took him to was the God Help Us, the Lone Ranger movie from a few years back. Ooh. And he's never he's <laughs> never forgiven me. He's never forgiven me, I don't think. Maybe this will help make up for it. I don't <laughs> And my dad's a Lone Ranger fan from, like, the radio show. Oh, boy. Yeah, and I knew it was going to be slightly irreverent i didn't know it was going to be like that so oh boy that's another story <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that'll be a film we probably will never cover here on the show so yep. yeah uh, go see blazing saddles is one of the rare times that i'm going to get to uh, talk about an older film where i would get to say go see it in the theater you're gonna have the chance go go to cinemark.com we're not getting any money for this this is my own <laughs> plug go to cinemark.com and they have a whole thing for classic series and you'll you'll find it and uh that ought to be that'll be a, an absolute blast so chris Thank you so much for doing the show. I really, really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. This is a great movie to talk about. It's just, it's just such a classic. So uh, everybody knows where they can find you, but tell them anyway. Uh, you can find me on the Supermates podcast, which is part of the Fire and Water Network. Yay! Uh, yay! So you can go to Facebook and the Facebook page for Fire and Water, and we're there. And we're at supermatescomic.blogspot.com. And we're on iTunes. And check us out. It's me and my wife, Cindy, talking about all sorts of fun stuff. Absolutely. Great show. We love it here and so happy to have it as part of the Fire and Water Network. So thank you again for doing the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, that's a wrap. Mongo only pawn in game of life.